Hello, welcome to Derbs Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the state of monetization in the uh, in the games industry. Uh, before we do that, Buddy, why don't you let folks know what it is we do on this podcast. On this podcast, we like to talk about games. Um, and one of the interesting questions kind of coming into 2022, like we've done a couple of episodes in the past about video game monetization, right? Um, but one of the interesting questions is that like, this has changed, right? Our last episode on this is pretty out of date because there's a lot of new, interesting, weird monetization things going on in games now compared to how they were going, uh, in the past. And so it, it's it's just an interesting question to sort of um, diagnose and get to the bottom of. Yeah, and, and part of this is if uh, loyal listeners will know, at the end of last cast, we had a very short discussion about NFTs, which is one of these monetization options. Um, and uh, I don't think either of us are like, I have some understanding of the technical elements of the blockchain, but I, I wouldn't call myself an expert. Um but, like, kind of the basic concepts I think are interesting to talk about from a monetization perspective, right? Like, the thing, the, th- the important things I think to know, and I, I think this is where we should start our conversation, um, just because we did tease it at the end of the last episode, um, is, is that uh, essentially the blockchain or NFTs basically allow you to cryptographically prove that you own a particular asset um, and uh, past that, like, there are couple different ways that uh that they've been they've been uh or they've been uh proposed to work in games um uh uh very controversially i might add uh lots of people are not fans of this uh including uh your own aquapara games um uh, yeah, it's which, true. Which which you explained was part of because like the yeah, well, well, people were stealing our shit, right? Yeah, you know, I I think that there is the the steel man case, right, for uh for blockchain stuff in games. I think um comes out with stuff like Magic the Gathering or Hearthstone, right? I think the best possible version I've ever seen of this is in Hearthstone or in Magic the Gathering using blockchain, you know, NFTs or whatever as a way to create a true secondary market on those, you know, like four four cards inside of those clients, right? I could trade my card for you to you. You could trade your card to me and those are both discrete assets, right? Um so that you can, can kind of control the the nature of the economy, right? Like in pricing and all of that other kind of stuff. That is that is the best possible case I have ever seen for it. And even that, I think, is ridiculous, and I would never want to engage engage with it, right? Um, but I think part of that is also just that, and this is weird because of how the blockchain is supposed to protect against this, right? Like, um, I think part of this is also just like a, a usability and a, um, a security, like security concerns, right? right. You know, like one of the headlines today that was making the rounds on Twitter is that an IRA uh, company, like, you know, that manages retirement accounts, invested in crypto, and then those accounts got, that crypto got stolen, right? Um, And people pointed out that that wouldn't happen, right? That happens because of vulnerabilities in crypto that don't really exist if you're working on, you know, inside of a bank system, for instance, which is very typical 401k. So, so actually, it's because, so, just to be very precise about it, it's kind of because of lack of vulnerabilities, right? Like where it's like, it's the way the vulnerability manifests, right? Like you could theoretically try and steal something out of a bank that way, 
but then like kind of like the banking system will revert those transactions, right? Like this is the draw of crypto is that the banking system can't take that away from you, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, for good or for ill, like, you know, in a positive case, let's say you wanted to, you know, donate money to an oppressed group in a, uh, a in a country that that is highly restrictive of freedoms, right? Um, uh, the bank can't take that money away. Um, the opposite of this, and this could be the same group of people, just change your point of view. You could donate money to terrorists, right? And the bank can't take their money away, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, as it applies to games, right? Like, I mean, you know, that, that's like that's the origin story, right? The guy, I can't remember what the guy's name is, but he made Ethereum because he hated Blizzard for nerfing warlocks Wait, is in that, midst of Pandaria. Is that true? Yeah, he he said in an interview that the the thing that made him so skeptical of a central authority was in Mr. Pandaria, Blizzard nerfed his class, which was Warlock. Right. You know, I have heard and this he was yet. and he was so angry that they would make this decision that he was like, you know what, decentralization is the future, and he, and he made a yeah. And I think I think the the kind of <laughs> arguments for it is like a currency or like smart contracts are a totally different conversation from the gaming side. Right. I think part, and I I also think that, um, and we're not going to, I don't think going to get into like the the kind of like larger crypto world or or whatever. Um, Yep. Definitely not. um, But um, kind of like, like you were saying, so I I think there are a couple of ways that, that, that uh, NFT has been talked about. I think there's exactly one case that makes sense to me. I'll get to that later, but the the most common case is something like you're saying with magic cards, but it's, it's generally kind of like you can buy an item um, and, you know, potentially transfer it around and also, you know, theoretically use it in multiple games or whatever, right? And this is a neat idea, but there's no need for this to be NFT-based, right? Like, there's this, there's this thing that's very analogous, and this already exists. It's called the Steam Marketplace, right? Like, um, and, and when we look at some of these projects, right, like the um, the Ubisoft, I forget the, the name of their NFT program, um, but... Uh, um, Part of the um, uh, p- part of the terms of service for that is that the NFTs all stay inside of Ubisoft's ecosystem, right? Like, you know, maybe you know, and, you know, may- maybe you're splitting hairs at this point because, like, basically, the, the all the NFT part of it is doing is acting as kind of the security layer, I guess, right? Like, yeah. at which point you don't even need to let, like, you know, maybe it's an investor thing, but maybe just don't tell people that it's using blockchain, right? Like, you could just do it that way and not tell anybody nobody would probably know um especially using proof of stake so one of the other big complaints about nfts which i think is overblown but you know for what it's worth um uh a lot of crypto transactions involve a lot of power um but there's an alternative uh system called proof of staking um and apparently the ubisoft system uses proof of stake which just isn't nearly as energy intensive it's more storage intensive um but storage is cheap um uh so um i just don't think it like makes a lot of sense because like you know, I think it's very unlikely to like, you know, just not, it's very unlikely that like, say, you know, you're going to buy a gun in Ubisoft, like, you know, in the division and then Blizzard is going to go implement a way to use it in, or, you know, actively implement a way to use it in COD. Like, I just don't think that's going to happen. Right. Yep. Like, um, and I think if they wanted that, you know, like this is the thing about Hearthstone and Magic Gathering, right. Um, which is that. And I, and I read the series of tweets from a former Hearthstone des- developer who was like, the you know, like, there is a real use case there, right? Like, yes, if if you wanted to, you could make this, this NFT base for a secondary market for Hearthstone magic cards inside of the video game client 
right? Using that as the way to sort of like track these transactions, right? That is that is theoretically possible, right? But the point that he was making was like, bro, if Hearthstone wanted a fucking secondary market, they would just implement a secondary, secondary market, market yeah. without, yeah, without NFT. You don't need NFTs to do that, right? Like you can just write code internal to the game because it's not like somebody can ever take a Hearthstone card and play it in Magic the Gathering, right? They're completely unrelated, you know, like games or whatever. Um, and so it's just like, what on earth, what, what, what problem is this solving, right? Like why would, would we need to burden ourselves with NFTs in any of these, these video games? Um, and the answer seems to be you wouldn't, there yeah. is not a good, <laughs> there's just not a good reason to implement this stuff, uh, for video games kind of ever at all. Okay. So that being said, I do think there's one use case that's intriguing, um, again, I think this is very unlikely to happen, but if you could like essentially NFTize like your game license, right, as a way to transfer licenses between people in a secure way, I think that's a potentially useful. Oh, interesting. Right, like we haven't been able to sell our old used games to each other in a long time, right? Um, and this would be a way to do that in a way that's like real and makes sense. Again, you could kind of do this internally to markets, but like this, this like makes more sense to me on a kind of an intuitive level. That's like you know, I have my copy of Total War Warhammer Three, right, and I can take the NFT that represents that and move it from Xbox to Steam to sell it to you know some other person, right? And there's no real and like that 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 use case makes sense to me. Again, I think it's very unlikely to happen because these developers have a or not the, uh, like the store developers have a a reason to want to keep everything inside their world. Yeah, they have like a counter incentive to yeah. to keep things locked away. Yeah. Or that's not that's not quite entirely true. For you know like Steam for instance, a, a version of this exists with Steam keys, right? Cuz you have Steam key resellers yeah. who are, you know, uh, like Humble for instance is going to give you a bunch of Steam keys, you take those, you plug them into Steam. And that's a that's a that's a sort of a, a one-way transaction, right? Like I can I can't then take something out of my my Steam account and put it somewhere else, but you know, it's it's kind of half of what of what you're talking about a little bit. Yeah, the only way I could see this happening is if there's some regulatory change that requires resellability, right? Like if if you know some government decides like Steam, you need to let people resell their games because they own those games regardless of what like you know the, the language of the licensing agreement is. And this is like a an out of the box way to do it, right? I could see that, yeah. could see that working. And then again, I think like. I think ultimately if like the companies decide like, you know, like, you know, Microsoft's been doing this a lot lately because they're like in last place in a lot of places. And so they're doing like very consumer friendly things, right? This is part of why they're pushing to open up their help. They're with Epic trying to push to open up the app store, right? I can see them being mm -hmm. like, and your games are NFTs and we'll let you move them around. Like, go for it. Fuck it. Who cares? Right? Like. As yeah. a competitive advantage thing, but I, think I also it's wonder because, like the you know the default structure for an NFT, right, is based on Ethereum, right, as yeah. as a cryptocurrency. But I also sort of wonder if you are Microsoft and you are one of the you know g most gigantic companies in the world, if you go, I don't want to deal with fucking Ethereum or any of this other sort of bullshit, and you know you kind of make your own proprietary cryptocurrency. In that in that sort of situation, sort of like Ubisoft, right, where you know it is it is all internalized, and you're not dealing with any of this outsized bullshit for, um, you know, because like all, like NFTs also have this extra sort of layer of, you know, shit to wade through, which is 
you know, based around wallets and, and sure. you know, coin exchanges, all this other sort of stuff, right? Maybe if I'm Microsoft and I'm looking to, uh, and, my, and my goal is, okay, I want to give players a way to move games around, right, so they can sell. You know, I can maybe mark games in my inventory and say, I will sell this at market price, right, as a used, you know, like as a used game kind of thing. Um, the, uh, uh, I, I create a... You know, I, I create something that is di like completely unrelated to all of this stuff with Ethereum, Bitcoin, whatever, right? Like most of the the crypto marketplaces that I don't want to deal with any of that overhead or bullshit, right? I just want to empower a person to be able to mark a game in their inventory and say, I want to sell this to somebody else. And then that game does, in fact, sell to somebody else. I think the person here actually who is damaged the most by this, by the way, and who would push back the most against is a developer yep. because that is the developer is then losing, you know? So for instance, say I buy total war Warhammer three on steam and I love it. And I play it for 200 million hours and I go, you know what? I got everything I wanted out of this game. And I put a, click a little button and it says, okay, steam, I am willing to sell my copy of total war Warhammer three, right? Somebody who buys a copy of total war Warhammer three pulls it out of my inventory. It goes into their inventory and I, and I get some, you know, I get some money in, in return or whatever. The person who just lost a sale is Creative Assembly, right? The per like, you know, Steam probably takes a cut of that transaction no matter yeah. what. So they probably don't care all that much. But if I'm Creative Assembly, I care a lot, right? Because yeah, I mean, they hated used game stores, right? Like, Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Um, and just, like, all of the things. God, it, it's so weird to think about this. Ten years ago, 15 years ago maybe, uh, this was a huge topic. That there was so much shit about, right? Because you had, you know, you had special DLC that locked into the, like, the game or whatever. So if you sold your game, you still had to buy, like, a $15 or $20 DLC packet just to help because the developers wanted to recoup some of that cost. Even if I resell you my used copy of Mass Effect 2, you still have to buy this piece of DLC and download it off the Xbox Game Store. And that piece of DLC is, you know, is happening to anybody who buys a, a used game out of GameStop or whatever. So I think I do, I, I think I agree with your with your overall idea that this is theoretically the, mo the, the, the maybe the, the best use case which isn't even that good of a use case would be for uh, yeah, I mean, for I, sort of honestly I think that's a fairly pro consumer use case right like that you that you actually own your games but like I don't see it happening outside of like, like I said a regulatory change um, yeah yeah I mean I think uh, and this is also part of my my overall philosophy of monetization of games in 2021 or 2022 fuck god god damn it is that I think games are incredibly efficient in terms of pricing uh and that, <coughs> you know, the, the, <coughs> I guess I don't feel like there's a huge need for, uh, for that sort of consumer protection, right? You know, I think 15 years ago when $60, $60 was a, a different price tag and basically all the big games came with that price tag, it was a different level of concern, for reset reselling games compared to now where we've had whatever 15 years of inflation and also like games t t like have a, have a bunch of different monetization structures um that change that interaction somewhat right you know um, yeah i mean i i think i think there's still like, like i get what you're saying um i still think that there's like a a, a pretty wow uh I, I still think that there's um a pretty strong 
Like, I think that there is a case to be made to say, like, I want to own the things that I own. Like, the things that I bought, I should be able to own them. Um, this is, like, this is like also, like, standard kind of, like, whether or not you're allowed to, like, open up your iPhone or not, right? Like, right to repair type stuff. Um, but to your point, I think I think that the way that that goes is uh, if, if – let's, let's say, you know, say the EU because – they're frankly the most likely regulatory body to, to like mandate something like this, right? It's like you need to be able to resell your games, right? We see even even bigger push towards live service games where you're paying us like a monthly or a pseudo monthly fee, like in Destiny, right? Uh, for your uh, for your content, uh, which is gonna piss more people off too, because pe people like those kind of like you know people right now are are asking for a lot of these more kind of concentrated. Uh, single player style, triple A style game, or not even not triple A, but like you know the classic style of game as opposed to these live service games, which seems to be taking over everything. Um, yeah, right. How many people complain about season passes, right? Yeah. Or if I were to go to the WoW subreddit right right now, how many people would be saying, "What, what, what? Why does WoW still have a subscription?" Right? You know, all the other MMOs are are free to play or whatever. You know, like I I think that is a very common complaint, um, and it's kind of rare. I I don't think I see people complaining about a sixty dollar price tag in the way that I used to. Right? That was that was the big concern. I feel like right where people would, you know, <laughs> they would play a game, the game would be. You know, any big AAA release, it would be Skyrim, it would be Mass Effect 2, but, like, not the good versions, the shitty versions of those. And they would go, what? I paid $60 for a 10-hour game? This is bullshit, right? Like, that kind of a thing, right? Yeah. Um, those games, by it feels like, by and large, have morphed into these sort of season pass uh, experiences, it feels like. That, right. Or they've moved to, like, indie status and they're not $60, right? Like Yeah, they're, they're, they're indie status, they're not $60. I mean, I guess that's not entirely true, right? Uh, like, Assassin's Creed Valhalla was a $60 with DLC. That's a very normal Right, but it wasn't a 10-hour game. Well, that's true. Yeah, like, the game itself was, like, gigantic. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm just trying to think of, like, what do I, like, what, what's a good analog for this? Man, what's like the the last time I think like a big AAA game that was not a lot went or that was not a lot of hours went for sixty bucks? Like, like I wonder if there's the like thing, games of the year. The thing that's popping into my head is like the Uncharted games, and they're like as kind of like you know shorter but um, very story and focused. But they're beloved, right? Like they didn't have that. Like you know, I think there might have been some. Kind yeah. Of okay. No, that's perfect. Uh, Uncharted Two was about ten and a half hours in length and about twenty hours. To obtain 100% completion, which that I I would say that's a bad deal, right? right? That is not a deal I would want to take on a $60 game in in like the modern era. That is definitely a beloved game, but it is it is 100% emblematic of this thing that I'm trying to yeah uh, I'm trying to explain. So sure, yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, you know, and maybe that's part of this conversation, right? Like we've been like the industry has been moving, like I said, towards um like. The the AAA games tend to be packed with uh, like content, and, you know, which is good, right? Like I'm not going to complain about that. Um, also, that they're kind of like less accessible. Uh, like like there's, I feel like the, like you know, obviously with uh, Microsoft acquiring uh, Activision Blizzard and Sony acquiring Bungie, like there's, we've, we're we're in a period of um, what's the word? A conglomeration maybe is is the right way to put it. Um, we're in, we're in a period where. Um, kind of like the the triple A slash you know quadruple A whatever the fuck that means space is like going to be like very concentrated uh, probably for a while where like you know and we'll probably see like you know like from Capcom uh, what else uh, CD Projekt Red if 
you know, if they ever, you know, if they ever get out from under uh, cyberpunk, um, um, them moving into kind of that like second tier category, they're kind of already there, but like, you know, um, uh, uh, I like, they'll be providing that, that, that kind of level of game, but they're also making like big games, right? Like you say what you want about cyberpunk, but it's still, it's big, right? Like there's a lot yeah, there. And uh, it's bigger than any game I've, you know, ever published with Akupara, right? Yeah. You know, and, and like, I do, I guess, I guess sort of my, one of my statements on the state of monetization in 2021 is I think that premium games are good actually. Right. Which is to say, you know, you paid 20 bucks for a discreet, you know, experience. And that experience is, 10 to you know, like 10 to 20 hours like that that feels very reasonable to me i think a lot of indie games sort of live in this space and i, I like i mean you know full disclosure i work for a company whose business model is that obviously right. but like i you know i i even think on the level of a consumer that 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 this world we live in is good and i feel very good about it right um even outside of whatever akupara titles people who buy inscription I'm sure feel pretty happy with that purpose or w with that, with that purchase or whatever other kind of indie game du jour is the, is the, <laughs> um, uh, the new, the new hotness, right? Valheim we've talked about, or, you know, Vampire maybe Survivors other... at $3. Yeah, Vampire Survivors, right? It's just three, it's $3 game, but it's, it's exactly right up this alley essentially. Um, so I feel pretty good about that that level of things, and I even feel good about it on the on the sixty hour or the sixty dollar, forty dollar sort of price range, right? Like a WoW expansion costs forty bucks, which seems pretty reasonable to me. As like a you know like the 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 nine the ten the 8.0, that's going to cost forty bucks. That seems like a pretty reasonable cost. You've got the subscription, you know, to pay, you know, as the as the game is putting out all of these content patches. That 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 a forty dollar price tag for that seems seems reasonable. Um, DLC packs that come out of stuff like Paradox Games, twenty bucks, fifteen bucks, right? You know, if it's a big content piece, if it's something like Mega Corpse, that's going to be twenty bucks. If it's a lower level thing, right, like a new species pack, that's going to be eight bucks. Also very reasonable. Same thing with Total War, right? You know, uh, twenty dollars to get a a uh, a DLC, you know, uh, race pack, fifteen bucks to get a legendary lore pack. Where you know you get two legendary lords and you're and you're upgrading the roster of one of one army over another. All that stuff feels very reasonable to me. So anything that asks me to pay a discreet price for you know like the experience, I tend to feel good about. Yeah. Um, there are some exceptions to this, but by and large, I feel I like when it comes to state of monetization, I feel pretty pretty good about this stuff. Uh, the exceptions to me are there are some very like egregious. <laughs> kind of collector's edition things happening where <coughs> prices will skyrocket out of nowhere. It's like a hundred bucks to get, you know, whatever this new game and it's going to have a bunch of extra stuff. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of person that I typically like to do that where possible, you know, especially if it's a game that I feel pretty confident in, I'm going to buy that whatever digital deluxe edition, for instance. Um, but it feels like recently that price point has been spiking more and more and more in a way that I am not super satisfied with. Um, yeah. It, it's a hard I mean, thing to balance too. Cause like, like, you, like I tend to prefer like the physical special editions because at least then you can like get like something right like you can go get like you know um, like a plushie or like a cloth map or something or you know something maybe even a little bit more substantial but like you know Elden Ring game I'm looking very very much looking forward to 
Um, the digital deluxe edition comes with like the soundtrack and a digital art book. And frankly, I don't care about those things. So I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> yeah. bother uh, with it. Um, I think like, you know, and a lot of it depends on the game, like, you know, how much of it includes the season pass. But like the other thing I was looking at is like, I'm also looking forward to the Witch Queen, which comes out in a week. Um, and there's the version that comes out with all the season passes, which is, I like it less for the live service games because like, if I just like decide not to play Destiny for like a six month period, right? Like I'm going to lose at least one of like the things I paid for because they're not like, you know, at least, at least like if I went, you know, I went and I bought the deluxe edition of Guilty Gear, right? That came with a couple extra skins and it came with the first season of DLC characters, right? If I come back, if I put down Guilty Gear for a year and come back, I'll have those characters, right? If I put down yep. Destiny for a year and come back. Those season passes might have passed and gone. I, I'm shit out of luck. Um, uh, uh, but uh, 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 just, but like, so, so, it, it, like, like you said, I, I think, I think it's got, it's gotten like, hard. like the the other option for the Witch Queen besides the season passes version is you can get like the currently running content as like an extra twenty bucks, which is like five dollars off of the retail price of, of of that content. But like, you know, there's ten days left of that content, right? So like, am I really gonna pay? Pay the twenty dollars extra for, for ten days of content. No, uh, so um, uh, and I, I think I think this starts to touch on. Uh, did, did you want to say anything else about about the the digital deluxe edition? Because I was going to move it to kind of the season pass stuff. You know, I'm honestly looking through. I'm trying to find an example of one of these because one of the things that has changed for me is I specifically have avoided the digital deluxe editions. I did. I, did, I guess Cyberpunk is the is the example I'm thinking of, and also. I, I didn't actually buy Assassin's Creed on Steam, so that's why I'm not seeing it. But I, I, I didn't do it on Valhalla. I didn't do it on Cyberpunk just because, like, I looked at the price and I had that thing where I was like, this is not worth it. This is not worth the dollars, essentially, right? Um, and uh, and I think that's, you know, that's kind of, like, legitimately a problem um, because this is one of the first times that I've had that sort of interaction. I feel like almost every other case I can I, – I feel, I feel good about picking up whatever, right? Um, even for a game I'm not necessarily sold on, right? Like, Anno 1800 is a good example of this. I've talked a lot about Anno 1800 in the past couple of weeks. I've put in 80 hours of that game since I, you know, I, I bought it last uh, two or three years ago. Um, but I, I, I didn't actually play it until this year. And, um, and I realized that I had bought the standard edition. And as I was going to upload it, I was like, oh, or to download it, I was like, Oh, let me look for DLC stuff, and I ended up picking up, you know, like the DLC, and that felt that felt good, that felt fine. Um, but it just feels like on 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 some of these these titles, uh, I'm looking at these like hundred dollar price tags for all this collector's edition bullshit, and I'm I'm basically kind of right there with you when it comes to like an art book or a soundtrack. Like I very rarely give a shit about those things. I'm I'm almost always looking for like some in-game thing, like oh a new mission or new storyline or new you know whatever, right? um that that kind of gets me across uh that sort of that sort of finish line and i just felt like i have not gotten that bang for the buck so that's really where i come down when it comes to this premium priced stuff yeah i mean i i think the the negative side of that though is that like you know i'd rather not have to pay the extra 20 dollars to get like the full experience right like i'd rather get that in like you know the, like i'd like i'd almost rather if it's like you know you get an extra mission or whatever i'd rather the like the base price of the game be 80 dollars right and like you know you, you just get that yeah. right um uh although i guess th theoretically it doesn't, doesn't really matter um yeah I, that, I, that that's actually very fair that's a real complaint right that that's been around day one dlc that's like the whole day one dlc sort of complaint yeah. 
Um, and I think there are good versions of this and bad versions of this, like versions that I've been pissed off by and versions that I've been sort of fine with. Um, you know, uh, Total War is a good example of this, right? They had very infamous day one DLC with Chaos Warriors. Um, but I think that, but to, I am on the that's fair side of the argument because it's free if you pre-order, right? So um, it is the it is the specific kind of thing where, and I guess maybe this this can branch off into a new version of things, which is like, where does pre-ordering fall into the yeah. conversation? Because that's obviously like a big piece of what people talk about when we talk about video game monetization. I'm pre- I I my stance on that is pretty rock solid where where it was a couple of years ago, which is. If I trust the developer and I trust the product, I'm happy to pre-order. Otherwise, I'm gonna, I'm very rarely gonna do it. Right? I, <clears throat> I almost never pre-order. Like even Elden Ring, we've talked about on the on the cast, right? That we want to do an Elden Ring episode, and I know that I'm probably going to get this game. I haven't pre-ordered Elden Ring just because. I've never done a from a FromSoft game. I don't have that sort of built trust. But I have pre-ordered Total War Warhammer Three because I know. That midnight on Thursday, I'm going to want to fucking no-life this shit. And uh, and I feel good about the fact that pre-ordering it is going to get me this race pack of the Ogre Kingdoms free, right? Um, so, yeah. And yeah. I, and, and I'm very much in the opposite camp, right? I have pre-ordered Elden Ring. Ooh. I have not for Warhammer 3. Part of which is, like, this is an interesting thing to, to lead into, I think, because, like, um, uh, uh, Warhammer 3 is coming to Microsoft Game Pass, um, but you don't get the ogres if you do it that way. So it's kind of like, do I, do I want to, right? Like, or should I, should I maybe buy it through the Microsoft store? Cause I think I get like a discount, but that, like, I was like, why would I buy anything through the Microsoft store? That's it. That's yeah. I, are you ready for the incredibly head-assed dumb bullshit reason why I'm getting it on steam? It's because it? it has steam achievements. Oh, wow. It's because I want I want the Steam Achievements. The Steam Achievements were actually a really big deal for me when it came to Warhammer 2, right? Like, I was doing certain rate, you know, like, there are just achievements for completing certain campaigns or for doing certain things in certain ways, right? And in a way, and I like this version of Achievements, by the way, as, as a way to sort of direct the player's experience. Um, Paradox does a better, better job of this, but it happens in Total War 2, where, you know, the achievements represent certain little avenues to go down, right? to try and uh, get to the bottom of the mechanics and how things are and how things are working and how things are playing right um, and I wanted that I didn't want to give that up because uh, you know because I was gonna pick it up on a different store so I, I got it on Steam yeah no I mean that makes that makes perfect sense um, but I think that kind of naturally leads to the, into a conversation about this kind of like Netflix of games model right this, sure. this game pass model Um and the different things it runs into. Because this is the second, like, you know, Warhammer is a game where if you go and you play it on Game Pass, there's, uh, uh, like, you won't get the full experience, right? And it's kind of like a, like a, I won't call it a loss leader, but, like, a, it's, like, an enticing thing. Like, Crusader Kings 3, right, I bought outright on Steam, even though it was mm-hmm. available on Game Pass, because I knew I wanted I wanted to get, like, the, the Docs Edition. That's the game I got, the Docs Edition, which gave me, like, the first X number of DLCs or whatever. And, you know, I know I'm going to play Crusader Kings forever and always, so... Um, uh, I'm fine with, with, uh, with that, but, um, uh, do you, do you have, do you have any, do you have any, uh, particular thoughts about, about this kind of like new, you know, X dollars a month model, model for games that like, uh, you know, Microsoft obviously has theirs, there's rumors that Sony's working on their version, uh, Nintendo Apple has, Arcade exists. Yeah. Uh, Sony's <laughs> Arcade, but like, um, <coughs> um, 
you know, I have Game Pass, and I've had Game Pass for a while. And I've played games through Game Pass that makes me feel like Game Pass is worth it, right? But I, I also, you know, part of my philosophy is, um, you know, I think about this stuff, and I think it's just like dollar to hour ratio sometimes, right? So, for instance, with Game Pass, uh, I've played a couple of games on Game Pass that have just been uh, like big singular sort of experiences, um, so an example of that might be like the Outer Worlds, right? Something, something kind of along those lines. This is a game that I didn't buy. I, I have that on Game Pass. Um, Gears of War Tactics is another example. Uh, it's a game that I, I picked up on Game Pass. I was playing through, um, you know, on, uh, uh, on Game Pass, like on any of these sort of like Gears games, right? You know, and I, so I've, I feel like I have gotten my value out of Game Pass because I've put in a certain number of hours and if I divide that number of hours by whatever the number is per month, five bucks a month, I feel like I've gotten a good deal. Um, but I also still don't use it, right? Like if I were to bulk all of the hours I put into gaming, for instance, Game Pass represents a sliver of that. Um, and so I guess that's sort of where I come down on Game Pass, which is that I do think it's a good deal just because it's so insanely cheap, uh, but I don't use it all that much. It is not the kind of thing that gets me super, um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, no, it, it's, weird. it's weird because, like, I, I, I largely agree with you, but, like, you know, most of my Game Pass values probably come out of Halo Infinite just because I like playing Halo Infinite, right? Like, and so I'll jump in and play some multiplayer matches, Um uh, I'm not going to, you know, I didn't buy Halo separately. The other big thing I use it for is, like, trying out, like, smaller games, right? Or, like, playing smaller games, right? Like, I played, um, I haven't finished yet, but I played most of Carrion uh, through um, through Game Pass. Or, like, um, you know, I had friends in the cast, X and Monarch, visit me recently. And we downloaded, that's where we played Streets of Rage off of, Streets of Rage and Minecraft Dungeons, right? It's, like, part of Game sure. Pass. Yeah. Why not? You know, or, like, you know. Something small I can go look and see, and if it's on Game Pass, it's like, oh, why not? I'll I'll play it through this, right? I already have it, right? But like, it's it's rarely gonna be those big titles, partly because you know it might go away, right? Like, I, you know, who knows? Um, and, and except for like the first party things, right? Like, I think I'll actually get a lot more use out of Game Pass um, <laughs> when the Activision Blizzard uh, acquisition finalizes, right? Because you know they say they're gonna put a lot of stuff that stuff on Game Pass. I, I have to believe that that's like a big part of why they did the acquisition, right? Um, yeah, I kind of doubt that I'll get my WoW subscription rolled into it. But if I do, that that would be that would be that would be. Fantastic. I would be really surprised if the WoW subscription gets rolled into Game Pass. Something that people have said is that they expect an upgraded version of Game Pass to come out at some point, right? Which is that you know essentially what Microsoft is doing is they are is they are netting people to pay the five bucks a month, um, and then they want to introduce a you know, whatever they're going to call it's, it. Game it's Pass Plus. Five, isn't it? I pay 15 for Ultimate, which is like the PC and the Xbox version. I don't know what the individual uh, uh, system... I have to assume they're like 10 a piece if you're not doing a combined thing. Um, yeah, I, maybe the Ultimate is the... Okay, so it's 10 bucks. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, I'm looking at it now. It is it is 10 bucks a month to do uh, to do Game Pass. So the, the thing that people are expecting is that there is going to be a high tier and a low tier yeah yeah uh, you know version of it um, which might be ultimate i guess if that you know if that exists but rather than having the functionality be limp linking your xbox and your pc having stuff where it's like oh you pay 19 bucks a month that includes a wow subscription but 10 bucks a month does not yeah um, 
And and I think that 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 seems the most likely case to me. Um, the other thing is that uh, the um, there we have a, an MMO for this, which is the Elder Scrolls Online, right? Uh, the Elder Scrolls Online does not technically have a subscription model, but it does have subscription services that you can sort of opt into. Um, and what is on Game Pass right now is the low tier of that subscription model, and you still pay for the high tier. And, and most people are using that as sort of a litmus test as what they expect you know, to kind of happen for WoW. I think WoW just wants to have a subscription. I think WoW wants to get, wants to not do any of that bullshit as much as it possibly can. I think it just wants to be 15 bucks a month. That's it. It's what it's been for years, right? Don't rock this boat by, you know, fucking around with that number too much. We just want to we just want that thing to be rock solid. And um and I think a version of the things where that gets folded into a higher price tier uh game pass like ultimate um makes more sense than it gets downgraded into a lower price tier ultimate. But who knows? We'll see. No, no, I, I think that, that that makes that makes sense to me. Um, the other part of this is, and it's the thing I'm, I guess I'm afraid of, is like, WoW gets kind of like a backburnered as a project, right? And so it's like, yeah, you can have it as part of Game Pass because, like, you know, we've got four people working on it, right? And you'll get an expansion every seven years, right? Um, which I don't think is likely to happen, but it could, right? Like, who knows? I, I am very interested to see, like, you know, what happens with, uh, with, with this, with this whole Microsoft deal. Um, obviously I think the big thing coming out of that are like, you know, access to the COD, like, cause I, I, like the very cynical people are saying that like Warzone is going to be the only thing on Game Pass, but I think, or maybe there's cynical people that are saying Warzone is going to be the only thing on Game Pass. There are also cynical people saying that like Warzone is going to be the only thing they allow, they allow on PlayStation, but I think and they're going to sell it on PlayStation and allow it, you to have it on Game Pass as kind of like, uh, a, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh. Uh, what's it called? Uh, like like a, a, a an incentive? A, yeah, an incentive. Thank you, thank you. That's what I was looking for. You know, okay. I I can even see it being something like you know, if you go and buy retail COD for uh for uh you go buy uh, retail COD for Xbox, they just give you like three months of Game Pass with it, right? And it's like yeah, it's it's you know, it's like a forty five dollar. It's you know, it's like effectively only fifteen dollars that you spent for a uh, you know COD or something like that. Um, yeah, I uh, to be honest, I think that Microsoft is going to be sort of hands off with you know Activision Blizzard, um, especially with like I, I feel like if I'm if I'm Phil Spencer and I'm looking at Activision Blizzard, the thing I'm most interested in is King, right? Oh, yeah. um, which always gets left off because Microsoft doesn't really have its foothold into the mobile game market. The mobile game market is pretty calcified. People tend to have their you know their game that they like. Um, and I feel like if I'm, if I'm Microsoft, I'm looking at that. I think a lot of value comes out of King. <laughs> Sorry. Drinking from that thing will never, never not be funny. If, if um, you noticed last week, I poured water into a cup, so I didn't, I didn't bother you, but I forgot. To do that this week. <laughs> That's amazing. And so, and I, and so from that sort of perspective, like how much do I really care and how much am I really going to mess with? 
some of these, uh, some, you know, like some of the, the ecosystems of Activision Blizzard titles. I think COD is very much on the, like, on the roster, and it's something that could be kind of futz with. You do that, you put that on Game Pass, you figure some stuff out. Maybe you do a little bit of that stuff with, like, WoW. But, for instance, I don't think Battle.net is going away. People have said that they think they're, they're going to roll Battle.net into Xbox. I do not think that's going to happen. Um, just because the Battle.net is, as a social system is very powerful, right? Yeah, you know, know, like, it, it like... Uh, go on, sorry. Yeah, like my friends list on Battle.net is very refined. I have a ton of people on there. I've had people on my Battle.net's list for 10 plus years, right? Like people who I went to high school with, right? Who I, uh, you know, I played WoW with in Wrath of the Lich King 15 years ago, right? They're still on my, my Battle.net list. And when they log on and I see that they're playing WoW, right? Maybe I send them a fucking, you know... I, I like send them a whisper. I send them a friend request. I, you know, just seeing the fact that my whole friends list is full of people playing WoW or Diablo 4 or Overwatch or whatever that is, right? All of those things are things that help me play the game and get, and get kind of onboarded. And I think it is a titanic mistake to take all of that sort of inbuilt value and toss it away because you want everybody on the Xbox app. Like, it's that, that, oh, yeah, that no. seems ridiculous to me. I think it's much more likely that they, they roll Xbox into Battle.net, frankly. And Ooh, I, I, I actually, that is spicy. So, like, I, I don't think that's super... Like, so, I think if they really wanted to, like, make it one, they'd make it Battle.net and then, like, make Xbox into, like, a Windows-wide overlay. Because they kind of already have that, right? Like, mm. um, if you really want to integrate, like, the Xbox kind of, like, friends list thing... Um, cause like, I don't think that like, at least, at least on the PC, right? Like, I don't think that anybody really cares that much about their Xbox friends list outside of what they need to use it to do to like yeah. play Halo with their friends, right? Like, um, uh, maybe I'm wrong. Cause like, you know, maybe I'm just like not in, in, you know, Xbox live world enough. Um, it also doesn't integrate super well, right? Like we've had super hard, like, so friend of the cast X has installed both the, uh, Microsoft Store and the Steam versions of Halo, and it, it does not understand how to deal with him when he's logged on to the uh, the Steam version. Um, oh my God! Yeah, so. yeah. Like, and, and and if I think about the you know, the the BattleNet app is incredibly clean as far as yeah. I'm concerned. You know, just from like a readability perspective, a UI perspective, I I just feel like it is. You know, Steam is also pretty good about this. Like, it's just a, a very good, well-built friends list that I have a, a, an easy understanding of. I can go to it. I can set people as these favorites. I look at what they're doing. You know, like their status is online or whatever else, right? Like being able to see, oh, you know, oh, hey, this is my friend Vel, and she's in, you know, theater of pain, right? All that stuff. It, it that's that feels just very like effortless and well designed to me. Uh, whereas the Xbox app is like labyrinthine. It's confusing. It just like. The, makes the Xbox app is a like, horror show, right? Like you don't like friend people, you follow them, and maybe they follow you back or something like that. Like what yeah, the fuck? Yeah, yeah, right. And it's like, what the fuck is this? Twitter? Like, come on. Yeah, I, I, I don't know who made those, but like you know, that's, uh, I don't know who made those UI decisions. I don't want to like you know, yell at anybody in particular, but like that just seems yeah. like a. Yeah. Plus, like, and one of the things that is most complicated about this is all this stuff is hard-coded into, you know, WoW, you know, Heroes of the Storm, Overwatch, right? Like, if I log into WoW, I am getting in-game pop-ups 
from people, you know, like if a friend of mine logs into Overwatch, that pops up in the game client of WoW, right? And I feel like all of that is just so much overhead that I would not want to fuck with it. I would yeah. not want to like, oh, yeah. you know, make make a huge deal out of uh, out of kind of consolidating that into um, just a fucking worse app. Fuck you, fuck the Xbox app. I yeah. guess it's our no, I, is our is our sort of takeaway here. I I use it. What, what do I have installed in Xbox right now? It's like Halo, and I think I've got like one other game installed on my. Uh, on my computer, and look, it's just not gonna. Uh, it's that, and uh, this other thing. It's Microsoft Solitaire Collection. Those are the only two games I have installed through the Xbox app right Okay, now. yeah, I at least have C. I have Outer Worlds. I have Thieves, Sea of Thieves. I have uh, Minecraft, the, the Microsoft Solitaire Collection, and I also have Gears of War, which I said I would play with my friend Phelanoi, and I never did. Mm. Um, but uh, but yeah, like so. I also just I don't know. I, I also really dislike the Xbox app, and I think that it is it is kind of a nightmare. Yeah. When it comes to you know just to just because this is also a subscription model, how do you feel about your WoW subscription in 2022? Right. Um. It's fine. Um. Like, the the. I like just paying a flat subscription better than like the other tricks right like i frankly like i would rather just pay 15 dollars a month for destiny than deal with whatever fuck like whenever i want to play it rather than like right. paying for these fucking season passes like every like four months and like hoping i get enough value out of them or whatever like and it, it works out to like 15 dollars a month anyway right that's basically what i'm paying so you know it's uh i i like it better than to that um i think where we where it starts to get like, yeah, i think this is a more general problem is like individual cosmetics um and i think so i think it's it's fine in wow for the most part because like you know you can earn a lot of mog in game right you don't have to worry about it um uh uh and i think it's relatively fine to have like a mount or something it's like a six month sub uh uh six month sub um incentive um but uh and so i think i think it's okay and well i you know I'm not gonna sit here and say like you know, you know, I'd rather not. I, I'd rather have everything totally earnable in game, mm -hmm. but I'm not gonna sit here and, and you know lose my mind over like cash up items. Yeah, like technically speaking, everything is earnable in game because you can transfer gold into Blizz bucks or whatever, right? Like if I earn yeah. enough gold, I have five million gold right now, right? If I transferred all of that into BattleNet bounce, I could buy every mountain in the store, and so I. That that is fine. I to me this is a slippery slope problem, right? Which is to say that there is a point at which I would be pissed right. about this, right? But wow, just never really seems to reach that point because it's like one mount every couple of months, and the you know like the patches that come out have a ton of mounts in them, you know. So in a world where nine point one added forty mounts to the game, right? Two of which were store mounts, essentially, yeah. right? And see, this is like five percent. That seems pretty fair, you know. Five percent of the of the mounts that get released are released on the store, and if I want, I can buy them with gold, technically, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. But in a world where a store mount gets released every month, and there are only thirty mounts coming in any individual content patch, that would that would kind of piss me off. So I, I think I think this is actually where we can like slice slice this a little bit thinner. Is like I think where I would hate it in WoW is if a, like Mog was was more like that and also if like so so i think this is where a lot of games run into run into problems where like mog is like that 
and or like you can earn the mog in game but like you could also pay for it and there's no differentiation i think part of the thing that makes mog valuable in wow is some of it is like you know i got this appearance by beating heroic or mythic sanctum of domination right like yeah um and i had to do that to get that even if like you you know boosted yourself through a run whatever right like that's an edge case that i don't i can't get myself worked up about right sure um but if like you know if it was like I can, you know, run through Sanctum of Domination and that'll give me a large amount of gold or like, you know, Mog Bucks or something, right? And either I can go, I can either do that enough times to earn it or I can pay cash for it. I think I would hate that a lot more, right? Because yep. like, you, you know, you're losing kind of like part of the drive, like part of the drive to pay the game, right? Like if if the only thing I ever earned in WoW was gold and then I could turn that into Blizzard Bucks and like buy everything off the, the, the WoW store, I would hate it. I think I'd probably drop off the game. Um and I think that's sort of where you, where these other games get into trouble, right? Like, you know, like, you earn loot boxes through, like, battle passes, right? Like, I am not driven in Apex to, like... Like, I'll, like, do some of the missions or whatever, but, like, it feels more sluggish, right? Like, and I'm not driven to, like, do anything... Like, I would like it more if I could unlock a particular costume by doing something, right? Like, I don't think that works for Apex's model in general just because, like, mm. you know, it's the very one style of thing. Um, but, like... You know, the thing that keeps rocking through, or ricocheting in my mind is, like, you know, uh, Halo. Halo, I think, on, on the one hand, is good. The season passes are supposed to be infinite, right? Like, if, if you know, season two pass comes out and I haven't finished season one, I should be, I'm, you know, I can only work on one at a time. But theoretically, I can, you know, work on season one forever and always. Um, but, like, you know, the items on that are just kind of, like, how much I've played the game, right? Like, have I have I done enough kind of, like, things to increase the season pass stuff? And then there's stuff that's not on the season pass, right? Like, um, the meme I, I, I saw that, again, that, that resonates with me is, like, the pineapple grenades are $10. A real pineapple's $2, right? Like, um, <laughs> it's like, you know, those pineapple grenades are neat. I want to pay 10 fucking dollars for them, right? Like, and, you know, and, you know, no, more power to somebody else who does, but, like, I also feel like there's not, like, a good option for things to me earn to earn in game that way, right? Like there's a season pass, but like again, that's like, you know, and this again, this is harder to do because Halo doesn't have like a prestige kind of thing to do. Like there's no like heroic, um, you know, heroic sanctum of domination equivalent, right? Like, you can get some some cosmetics out of the campaign, but like it's not, you know, super special or anything. Um, yeah. Yeah, like getting the mythic Sanctum of Domination set is the pinnacle of achievement in, you know, WoW transmog terms, right? And I do, well, I do for, not for think rating, that there is right. Like there's all there's yeah, like yeah, a yeah. mythic there's a mythics version, there's a PvP version, right? And then these are all yeah. like, you know, except for except for except for a mythic plus. In, with mythic plus, I'm just farming the same dungeon sets that I was getting in mythic zeros, and I fucking hate it. But that's my own like hill to die, and I fucking hate that so much. <laughs> yeah, I, but like you know. Sure, but and that's like a legit like you know you could see that that's the type of thing that that would bother me too if I was like running mythics primarily for for or I'm not running mythics at all but like if I was right and, right right like you know yeah like it feels like running twenties in mythics is similar to mythic rating is similar to high end PvP the game the game uh, uh, like considers those to be unequivalent tiers right. right? You know, it, it thinks that uh, that those things are uh, are pretty fungible with one another. Um, so it very much does bother me that in Mythic Plus, I don't get, you know, a very cool raid set, like recolor, for having done all of the keys at, at 20. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. You know, that, that, seems, that seems bad. But, um, yeah. 
Um, uh, so yeah, all things considered, I think WoW's got like you know got it done pretty well considering, mm-hmm. right? Like you know, obviously there are things I tweak, right? Like just like you mentioned, there are things you tweak, um, but I think it's better than like uh, I, I think there's a problem with like MMOs just are like have a better like are on better footing for it, which kind of sucks because there's a lot of yeah. like free to play MMOs that are really bad about this, right? It's like you know. We're not going to charge no, you No, I, I, the thing that gets me, okay, so for instance, the thing that I'm probably least happy with when it comes to World of Warcraft is the content schedule, right? You know, in most patches, it's six months, or in most expansions, it's six months. In Shadowlands, it has been eight months between each of the major patches, right? And we lost one along the way, right? We, we did not get a, 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 a point three content patch. And even if, you know, I would make the argument that 9.1 and 9.2 are bigger than normal comp- content patches to uh, you know, like to account for that, right? You know, there is this thing of I've paid my subscription for 8 months, right? At 15 bucks a month, that's $120. And the content patch I get out of that $120 is you, not that does not feel like a good you know, like that doesn't feel like correct. I would not pay two sixty-dollar AAA games worth of money for nine point one or nine point two, right? Um, and so, but th- but that's only like kind of one frame because the other frame is if I were to go log on to Bairn, right, my main character, and type slash fucking played, it would be something obscene. It would be like. I don't even want to say it. I, I want to say 80 days. I want to assume that I have spent 80 days at max level in Shadowlands of Game Time, right? Which is a couple of hours every day, right? That's two or three hours every day. Um, honestly, maybe more than that. I don't know the math. Um, if that were the case, right, and I have 80 days of playtime, which is hundreds of hours, right? You know, $120 for something that is giving me hundreds and hundreds of hours is like pennies per hour of entertainment and fun right right? and when i when i view it from that perspective even if 9.1 didn't include all that much you know stuff that whatever i just like wow is a he's such a good time sink game to put time and effort into and that i can almost never be mad about that about that sort of price point so i don't know it's like that's a complicated way to think about it but That's what I always return to. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's that that is fair. Um, uh, and you know, I th- like I said, I think that a lot of games do it much worse. Um, I don't mm-hmm. mind the season pass model just because, like, like a, get, other games don't have like like I said, they don't, they don't have the same kind of like means to, to do it as well as as an yeah. MMO would. Because um, you don't have those kind of like activities, like they try, right? Like Halo has been doing this once a month, kind of like you get a week to earn a bunch of samurai armor, right? Which is neat, right? Like. I've been enjoying that. I don't like. I think the specific mechanics around that are bad, but that's just kind of like that's like a spe- that's like a specific like you know misstep like learning pains things. It's not anything I'm going to hold against Halo. Um, yeah, I, just, I also think that it makes the mistake. Okay, so I've been reading a book, which by the way, holy shit, dude! I've been reading this book. We'll talk about this in the back half, and it is like, it's like Requiem for a Dream levels of making me depressed. But anyway, I've been reading this book about. Uh, you know, the ways that casinos have gotten people addicted to like video poker, machine gambling is what it's called. Right. Um, and one of the things it talks about is the efforts through which these game developers, right. Cause essentially that's what they are 
go to obfuscate the process of spending money on the game, right? They want you to be playing, but they don't want you to be thinking about the transactional nature of the game, right? And I think that's something that WoW does very well. WoW does not get me to think about money at all, by and large, right? I have my recurring six-month subscription, right, that it just, you know, is going to continue to tick, and I'm not going to worry about it. Every time I go to press play on WoW, I just load into the game, and and that's it. At worst, every once in a while, a new thing gets added to the store, and I get a fucking piece of in-game mail that says, hey, this thing got added to the store, and you get it for free, right? Um, <coughs> excuse me. Or like on the Battle.net launcher, there will be a thing that's like, there's a new mount in the store, buy it, right? That's maybe that's maybe the most intrusive WoW gets from a sort of like a monetization perspective, right? Uh, I feel like the big mistake that all of these other titles make is that they are constantly showing me the things that I could be buying for money and thinking about the game as a transactional experience. Because that, to me, just is sort of antithetical to the purpose of a lot of these games, right? It pulls it pulls you out. And in a weird way, you know, this is something that I think, like, 14 does pretty well just by having it all happen on the Mog Station, right? Where, you know, the store is just far away from you. You don't have to think about it, right? Even if that store is huge, right? Like, the, the Final Fantasy fourteen store is absolutely gigantic, that cash shop. And it has a ton of stuff in it, right? But being but being out, you know, like like out of sight for, for the most part keeps me from thinking about the game as this sort of, like, monetary transaction, which other games do not do very well, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I... I, I and I think part of it, too, is, like, you know, just from, like, again, from a gameplay point, like, perspective, I don't feel super special that, like, you know, if I have, like, like let's use the pineapple grenades as an example, right? Like, those are neat looking, but if I, like, pulled $10 out of my wallet and paid for them, like, who, like, who cares, right? Like, I don't see them on myself, right? Like, somebody else will see them on me and, like, what, right? Like, it's not like a, like, you know, it's some amount of players expression but one the game isn't really based around that it's based around shooting people yeah. um and two it's not like i can say like you know i earned these by being like the most you know grenade you know i like you know got like 72 grenade kills or something right like you know i no, yeah i i i paid money for it right like yeah know. it's not like overwatch or league of legends for instance right where you know in overwatch if i pick up a skin right and i'm watching my whatever, like my plays of the game or something like that, or like my emote at the end of a match or something like that, right? Like the skin matters for, for that. I'm, I'm seeing this sort of like this feedback, but I just don't think that the pineapple grenades have that, have that effect. This is also my problem. You know, even Overwatch is maybe a bad example because like it's first person, you know, like yeah, most thing. of the time all I'm seeing is of the skin is the gun, right? Um, whereas like something like League of Legends, if I'm looking at myself, I'm looking at myself with that skin, um, so I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's at least like fun at some level, I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also like, part of it is this like level of expression, right? It was something that happens all the time. Overwatch will release new skins and it goes up on Twitter and people are like, Oh, that, that looks cool. That look, 
that looks great. I want that. And I do get that tinge. I, I do get that feeling, right, when I see something kind of along those uh, kind of along those sorts of lines. But I don't know. It's just that's that's like a complicated sort of thing. I am definitely much more interested and proud of my KSM mount, right, or like the mounts that I got through farming in Corthia than I ever am of any of these, you know, shop or store mounts. Like some of them are cool i guess and i i don't think that they're bad mounts or whatever but just like the the lack of that in-game attachment to the process of earning it right you know doing content to get reward as like the base level game kind of gameplay loop sort of ruins that experience yeah i i, I agree um lou in the chat points out that uh uh that the the, the, there's a separate tactic, right? Like you pointed out, that's kind of like this, like slow, like slow burn back end kind of tactic. That you kind of like spend money without thinking about it. Um, Lou points out that the, that these games are relying more on FOMO, right? Like you need to get this done now, right? Like you need to yeah. like buy this, and, and that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's not. She points out it doesn't have as much of a long tail, but it gets you a lot of short term. No, I mean that's completely fair, right? Like the the one thing uh, that I almost did with. Fortnite, when it came to playing Fortnite, was play Fortnite for that Aquaman skin. And it was entirely because of FOMO, right? Yeah. There was an Aquaman skin. I knew that I only had one season to earn it, and I could play a bunch of Fortnite, and I could get it or whatever, you know. And um, and I didn't, obviously. Uh, but I did feel that I did feel that 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 sort of uh, I, I, that that twinge. I, I will say that like high high end of the um, of the season pass rewards can have a little bit of an achievement feel to them um just because it's kind of like yeah i played a bunch of this and i i you know i did enough achievements things to like get the unlock um but you think that's undermined by like being able to buy levels essentially right like um yeah yeah lou, lou says this follow-up thing casinos want to create customers that will come back over and over again a lot of in-game shops under instead understand their game has a half-life right so they don't necessarily have the luxury that casinos do to develop customers like that that is also insanely true um i mean We'll talk about this when when we're done. But I, I want to talk about this book so fucking bad, dude. Um, that is also insanely, insanely uh, uh, true. I mean, we're, we're we're at exactly an hour. I guess yeah. Are, you is there anything about? else that we wanted to talk about? Nothing uh, I can think about specifically in, in the in the uh, in the monetization space. Yeah, right? I covered I covered the stuff I would like the subscriptions, premium titles, pre-ordering. Um, we talked about NFTs. Oh, is there anything about pay to win that you want to that you that you're interested in, in talking about or saying? Oh man, um, I don't. Did s you ever look into Lost Ark? So, so this this is part of my week. Um, I bought one of the Founders packs, that's one of the cheaper ones to get the three day early access. I discovered you couldn't do a couple of rebinds, and kind of on principle, I, I uninstalled the game. Um, I know. Lou oh, I saw that actually. Yes, I did see that you uninstalled the game because uh, uh, you tweeted about it. I know Lou's been playing Lost Ark, um, but uh, Lou, Lou in the chat, can you can you explain how or how not Lost Ark is pay to win? My understanding is that there is a is this is the base understanding. I people say it's pay to win because there is a, a currency. There's this item that you can get to upgrade gear. Right, and the upgrade is an RNG thing, right? So you put some of the currency in the thing, and you hit a button, and you're trying to upgrade the gear, and it says, "Hey, there's a twenty percent chance this will this will upgrade, or whatever the number is, right?" And um, and you click the button, and sometimes it upgrades, and sometimes it doesn't, right? And that currency is something you can buy for money, which is what people say makes the game pay to win people say that, that it's not pay to win because you get so much of the currency by not paying you by just playing through the game 
Um, and also that the the stuff isn't tuned around the currency. You know, like people don't need to have, you know. I don't know. I I hate I hate yeah. people so much. I hate this. People people say that that it is not, the the content is not tuned such that you need the currency for fully upgraded gear in order to do it, which seems fucking ridiculous to me and I think that's a dumb argument, but whatever. And therefore, it's not pay to win because you can win without the currency if you're good enough. Yeah. Uh, it's more pay to convenience. All the currencies minus the premium shop currencies are available in the game. You just speed the shit up. Also, the game is goddamn easy. <laughs> oh yeah. Like Holy shit. This is this is this is interesting because like I, I made this 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 uh this argument to a, to another um Lost Ark player that I know and his response was, Well, you can buy boosts in WoW, so it's also pay to win. Don't talk to me about it. Um this person oh is God. very is very stubborn. Um but like <laughs> I know who you're talking about. <laughs> um, oh. But, uh, but yeah, I, uh, like, I, I, you know, I, it, it, that smells bad to me, right? Like, you know, like, and this is, as I understand it, at least kind of like the standard model for Karina most, like, and the Western version of Lost Ark is not as bad about it as it can be, but it's like, you know, you know, your end game is, you know, rolling on upgrades for your gear. And I know in like the worst version of this, like, the only way you can practically, like, make sure that it actually happens is using the premium currency because it's like in the worst version of this, like you also have a chance to like break your weapon and you have to start over, right? Um, but uh, Lost Ark, Western Lost Ark, like Western audiences don't have tolerance for that, so they made it better, um, but still not great. I, I uh... yeah, I mean, I absolutely and will always contest the idea that boosts in WoW make the game pay to win. I that I think it's fucking ridiculous, and it has been ridiculous since the beginning of time. Uh, Lou says, I have a fairly stri a strict definition of pay to win, so maybe not the best person to ask. There's nothing you can get through the shop that you can't get through playing normally. Which, uh, th that is fair, by the way. That is, there, there are, I think, on the Sony store and on the Microsoft store, they... You cannot put a game that is that is pay to win on that store, right? Um, in the sense that they have language in their, you know, like licensing agreement for selling your game on their shop that says we don't accept pay to win games. But their definition is also similar, right? Like if there is, um, if there is something that affects performance, right? Uh, I think the technical word is skill, right? Um, that per that that affects your like skill and performance and the ability to do stuff in the game that is locked behind a monetary purchase it is disallowed from their store right um <laughs> so you know you always have to create an avenue for someone to get that um that seems fair to me in the slippery slope way that i've talked about with the wow store right at a certain point it's normal and that's fine right you know uh, Overwatch loot boxes are, are sort of like this. I feel like when I was playing Overwatch all the time, I felt like I was earning loot boxes at a rate that felt fine, you know, in a, a free-to-play version, right? Um, I, may, I did buy some loot boxes, if I remember correctly, when we were playing a lot of Overwatch uh, a couple of years ago. Um, but, you know, I, I just, I never felt like I was earning loot boxes so slowly that the game was trying to force me to buy them, if that makes sense, right? Um, and I think the same thing holds true. There is probably a point where, you know, to use an extreme example, if it took two years to get uh, one of these upgrade items, but I could also buy it for $5, I would call that a pay-to-win system just because it's so prohibitively hard. But, you know, given reasonable timescales and frames that are going to be different from game to game, I'm also pretty comfortable saying as long as you can earn it in-game, 
uh, I wouldn't I I wouldn't call that pay to win. Yeah, I I, I I think my 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 sensitivity might be a little bit more sensitive than yours. Like I like, but like I do have sure. the spectrum, right? Like, um, I kind of like bulk and anything that kind of like lets you like essentially buy raw power at some level because like it's at some point it's kind of like why bother? Um, I mean, there's also like you know the. There's the other example is like is buying a hero in League of Legends paying to win, right? Like you know, yeah. Um, and you know, and how much of that? Well, is... Well, a, a, a WoW example might be BOEs drop from the raid, right? Uh, Mythic BOE is the highest item item level in the game. I did this in 9.0, for instance. I bought an 800,000, you know, piece of two yeah, 226 gloves that were best in slot gloves, right? Um, obviously, I did not pay two. You know, I did not tokenize that. I earned that money in game and exchanged it. But hypothetically speaking, somebody could buy enough tokens that they could have afforded those gloves. Would that interaction be a pay-to-win interaction? Yeah. No. Yeah, that's that's fair. It's tough. Um, I mean, my, my answer to that, by the way, is no. I th- that falls under. It has just not been. You know, that is not. Uh, that is such an obfuscated process and one set of gloves which is going to increase my dps by less than a percent is probably so literally little impactful that it just doesn't qualify especially if i would have to be saying yeah okay so let's say you know twenty dollars to make let's say 200k gold that's a pretty reasonable price for a token that would be me paying eighty dollars for a 0.3 percent increase to the damage of my character is that pay to win I would say no, right? Like yeah. that's just so it's so small, it's so ridiculous, right? That I that I don't think that that qualifies. Yeah, there's, there's also like this, like you know, still an execution barrier there. I also think that like part of it that makes it feel less bad is that like somebody did actually like earn that drop at some level, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like it's not like I think I'd feel a lot worse about it if like the if instead of like buying it off the auction house, you like go to Blizzard and buy that two twenty six piece of gear, right? Yeah, like, no, absolutely. Shop. That is that, yeah, that's very true, especially because like. Um, it is also the value is based on the player economy, right? You know, we are, uh, we are on a small server, right? Where there are not a lot of guilds running, running mythic and doing and and getting BOEs, right? And also, by the way, the BOEs are very, are very like constrained. There are only two BOEs for any individual slot and they tend not to be as good as items that you would get in you know, in the raid itself or whatever, right? So it's just like, it's a very small level of power. And I would say that in my case, it was a good interaction because I was earning that money essentially legitimately by these standards, right? Like I was legitimately playing the action house and selling these legendary pieces. And as a person who was good at making gold, part of my reward from that is buying this BOE off the auction house. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I just feel like this is so fucking thorny doing any of this pay to win shit, right? Like, yeah, no, I mean, that's part part of it, too, is like, you know, you know, how much do I want it to be that like I spent money on this game and that's that should be like the the, the end of it. Right. Like, you know, yeah. And live service games are obviously built differently. But like, you know, um, you know, buying like buying like ornaments and like costume sets in Destiny 2 is like, you know, like I, don't, I never felt really as 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 drawn to those but like also like the the mog and that game is, is also harder to do although I've, apparently they've made it but like i haven't played since they introduced real mog but before this has been like mm-hmm. you can't really mog right like you can maybe sort of mog um yeah it's it's 
Yeah, um, fail in the chat is is parroting some <laughs> some shit posty arguments like if you spend your time earning the gold versus me spending real money to buy the gold, right? Does that like remove the prestige or whatever, right? It's just all this stuff. Even the token itself, like my perspective on the WoW token is it's sort of like a a fail safe or like a bad luck protection. If you're the kind of player who just wants to raid, for instance, you can just fucking buy tokens to buy your raid consumables. That's fine. But anybody who plays the game normally is going to have enough gold no matter what. So they basically have no reason to buy the token. But even that, it's just so fucking thorny. I hate all this shit. Yeah, I mean, I could, I if I if I wanted to make like a pure like time for money argument, right? I could say that I could either spend my time playing WoW and like earn the gold and buy the thing. Or I could spend my time working a job, which is probably better for society at large, and use that money to buy buy the equipment in game. Um, which I don't like. I, I think there's holes in that too, obviously. But like you know, I don't think I don't know. It's also kind of just like I. If I'm just gonna pay to to win this, like you know, if I'm just gonna play pay for like the the highest level of achievement in the game, what's the point? But like I also don't think mm. that's what's happening. At least in WoW, um, I do know that it is worth and worse than like, um, you know. The the worst the worst versions of uh, Korean MMOs, right? Like like it's it's this this thing we're talking about where you're paying for upgrades, but like you kind of have to do it, and uh, it, it it goes a lot worse. Or like even like kind of like this gacha stuff, right? Like I haven't touched um, what's the one that everybody goes all Genshin Impact. Yeah, thank you. Um, but like you know, I haven't I haven't played that, but I understand that like you can pretty easily get down a hole of like trying to get like different things. There. yeah absolutely yeah i feel like uh and i mean and maybe maybe this is like the the good the good place to uh to transition uh, to the transition okay so this book i've been reading i let me let me let me talk about this book so i can i can make a proper argument oh god what did what it called it's called addiction by design machine gambling in las vegas right and it is basically a book of this one guy who is a sociologist or an anthropologist or something like that um maybe an economist who it, who essentially just interviewed everybody he po he could possibly find who was related to this. He interviewed developers of casino games. He interviewed people at Gamblers Anonymous meetings. He interviewed people who just played at casinos in sort of touristy ways. He interviewed um, executives implementing these systems. He interviewed architects and designers for the casinos, right? And just like, there is an insane amount of work that goes into this. And basically what he explains was... Um, the, just like the complex relationship between how casinos get people addicted to machine gambling and sort of like the, the game, the book really does have a fairly negative view of casinos and people who own them and operate them or whatever as sort of this, uh, <laughs> I don't know, exploitative enterprise, um, but just explaining the totality I, I of have, that relationship. I have to call this out. Lou says in the chat, aha, I know that book. It was something the devs read at my old job. Which well, is, this is why, this is actually like why horrifying. I, this is actually why I wanted to read it. Right. I saw somebody tweet about it. Um, and it wasn't even related to game dev. It was just somebody, somebody tweeted about it and they were like, this book is really bumming me out. Um, and I went and I started looking into it. And the big thing that the book talks about and says which i think is fucking nuts is it talks about how people really misunderstand the fundamental basis right on which um the like the principles of sort of like gambling as an addiction exist 
right? When you talk to somebody who is who is a gambling addict, they are not a gambling addict because they they get sunk into this sort of like maybe like the narrativizer like Hollywood like like whole right where they talk about um oh you know i just wanted one more win and i was i was i was throwing good money after bad they almost never frame it in those terms what they frame it in is in the terms of the zone right this like disassociative zone where they are just they are playing the game and all they want to do is continue playing the game and they don't care about anything else but playing the game they just want to they want to like get into that and this is the thing that made like the hairs on the back of my head stand on end because that's exactly what i describe when i'm talking about wow or diablo or any of the other sorts of games right there are these games that i want to play that are sort of disassociative right where i just want to relax i want to get in the zone i want to walk around corthia on a, on a character kill rares fucking who cares right that that sort of thing and it is the exact same feeling as the people who are explaining playing video poker right you, you know you know what's really um, have, have you ever played video poker no okay so i i have right like i have gone on various vacations and ended up in vegas which is not a place i particularly enjoy but like i sure. sit down okay. at video poker with you know i was like i set myself a budget for like how much i was like the things you're supposed to do i got like bored of video poker because you don't have any control over the outcome right um, weirdly, I think video games, like, made me immune to, like, machine gambling because, like, you know, you can at least, like, win in video games, right? Which, well, you know, I, I, yeah, I guess, you, really, you don't have any control over the outcome of video poker? I, not real. like, you might have some ability to, like, hold road depending on the particular machine, but, like, it's, it's, you know, the whole point is that you don't have a lot of control over it because otherwise then you could win it reliably and casinos don't want you doing that. Right? Like, oh, I see. Yeah. You could know the odds. Yeah. Right? yeah or, like, yeah. And, like, the... Like the most choice you have at most video poker machines is whether is, is how many like like how many lines you're betting, which is like you know the rollers roll, and um, if you bet like if you bet like one line, it only matter if it's like the the middle one, or if you bet all the lines, you could be like whatever combination appears if you know if uh, if 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 you get it right. But like that's all that's like basically all the control you get, because um, it's just kind of like an, an exercise of like hitting the button and seeing like what what patterns match up. Um, wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the, the interesting thing is it doesn't actually go into the, the game design, it, or, or I'm sure it does, but I'm not done with the book, obviously. It doesn't actually go into, like, the game design um, of, like, whether or not, like, the games are well designed. Like, that's not the point of the book. Um, the point of the book is talking about the ways in which the casinos uh, activate people to get to achieve the zone, right, and submerge them in the zone as much as possible, right? Like, apparently, so casinos have a thing they call productivity, right? Productivity is a result of three things. One, it's time on machine. Two, it's stakes on machine or something like that, which is, like, how much money people put into, you know, like, uh, put into the, sh to the, to the machine. And third is, um, like, rate, essentially, right? Like, rate of play, right? Like, how many, how many times does the machine... Uh, essentially, hit your hit your wallet, right? Does does it hit you for for money? And it, and maximizing productivity is what what they are trying to to do. And there are all of these different ways to do it. And one of the things, and you know, like I've been, I also have been to Vegas once for a a meetup of our WoW Guild. And I remember thinking at the time, it is really weird how unintuitively this whole fucking place is laid out. Casinos are laid out like you know there there's all these loops and curves and 
they're they're it's like a maze or whatever. And then I'm fucking reading this book, and it's like, yep, casinos intentionally design their floor plans to be a maze because it maximizes productivity. It talks about how one of the things casino designers think about is sight lines, right? And how they don't want you to see other other people on other machines as often as possible right the thing that a gambler wants is they want to submerge into their own little like world in this in like a pocket they want to find like a corner and so the design of the the casino is built such that um, there are all these little nooks and crannies where someone can can say ooh this is my favorite machine in the back corner of whatever the the neighborhood casino that they're going to right um and and it's and it's away from everybody else. It's away from like the major thoroughfares. I don't have my back to a big to a big thing. I either have my back to you know another row of uh, another row of machines, or I have my back to a wall or something like that. Um, my my sight lines are all of like walls, or the ceiling is low, right? Or there are big pillars or sort of dividers that are kind of keeping me from seeing out in these in these very like long distances because I want to feel sort of enclosed in in um in a space uh the lights are a big thing right like I want lights to be cool and to match the like the tone and temperature of the lights that are coming off of the machine itself right so like the ambient lighting of the you know of the casino right should fall into the background when i am playing the game and the most important light for me is coming from the game i don't want lights hitting my forehead talk about this fucking forehead thing and i was like what is going on you're not supposed to have lights hitting your forehead because that drives people off machines and i was just like reading all of this i was just like hey jesus christ this is fucking nightmare fuel right but the thing that that really got me is how little it matches the sort of typical account of what a, a gambling addict is like and how they think and how they process what they do right so um <laughs> you know, the, the typical story of a gambling addict that you would see <laughs> in like a movie right is someone who you know they just need one more <laughs> <clears throat> they just need one big hit, right? They just need one big score. They just need a couple more pulls at the slot machines in order to, you know, in order to get there. The jackpot is right around the corner. It doesn't matter that they spent $10,000 into the ground, right? They're willing to put another $10,000 because they know that somewhere down the line they're going to get 50 or something like that. That's not it at all. That has apparently, as far as the book is concerned, very little to do with why people get addicted to this kind of machine gambling. It is just entirely about the the raw stimulus of achieving the machine zone and how long they can perpetuate inside of that zone at any individual time. So uh, I don't really know where I was going with this, but it is like fucked me up. In, in well, a, I mean, like, in a, like I, I don't think like my experience of like not being able to get into like video poker because of playing video games is unique to me. I think that, I think this is probably true of a lot of gamers, right? Like you get yeah. this, you get it's basically like a way to kill time. And like if you're playing video games, you already have that, and you have that in a you know a much more entertaining way that costs you less money, right? Like yeah. Um, and so I think that's you know probably score one for video games. Um, I, it, it sounds like you, your, your book's talking a lot about like machine stuff a lot. Like I know, like, yeah. I probably went over like the big ones that I know about because these are like kind of like pseudo common knowledge or like you know, you know, no windows in casinos. They don't want you to know what time of day it is. They like elevate the oxygen level. Um, no clocks on the walls anywhere. Right, like um, you know, 
another big one is free drinks, right? Like you're spending more than you're getting in free drinks, but like you know, get you you know, put you a little bit off balance. Um, I don't know. I know when I've got like when I've gone to casinos and when I've played, I've enjoyed the table games more because there's like more of a social aspect. Yeah, I've played like um, uh, roulette a couple times that I really enjoy just because like you know I'm on a rounded table with a handful of other people and you know if somebody wins it's a celebration, right? Like it's a very that's like a very social aspect, right? But like. You know, that's also not like not like, you know, endless video. But like, I don't I, I you know. Yeah. I also think that at, at a certain point, the uh, the the machine zone only exists at the machine. I don't know that I believe that a person has an interaction at a blackjack table that resembles the machine zone. Right. Um, that the book is talking about where people are just sitting at a at a slot machine with a zillion quarters and just pulling pulling the slots over and over and over again. Right. Or whatever. Hitting the button. Um and uh, and so the, it, it might be that the 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 specific addiction that the books focus on, which is machine gambling, right, um, is markedly different than the kind of addiction that somebody you know. There's the Matt Damon movie Rounders. I don't know if you've ever seen this movie where Matt Damon is a is a poker player at underground uh, poker tables in New York City. He starts the movie movie by losing a ton of money. Um, and he needs to, you know, he needs to like fill out this deck or this debt. He ends up, um, he ends up hanging out with Edward Norton who plays his like fast talking con man, cheating, uh, friend who like just got out of jail. Edward Norton fucks him over, but like Matt Damon is such a good poker player. He's so sure that he's a good well, poker player that he, he walks back into the, you know, the same casino where he lost everything against John Malkovich and, and he beats John Malkovich cause he's, he's, you know, he's, he's such a good player. And the base level poker is is not like a, a house game, right? Like you're not playing against the house; you're playing against other people, right? Like they, I think that yeah. they like I think it's like one of the less profitable games for the casino, and like they they get money by like taking a piece of the pot, I believe, right? Like it's because mm-hmm. you know, yep, you know, uh, slots are like all profit for the most part. This it takes longer to like drain more out of them because you know, you occasionally win, right? Like you know, it's, it's a very different. Lou points out in the chat; it's a very different dynamic for card games as well. But like you know. That's uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the thing is is that in the in that movie, Edward Norton is probably a gambling addict, right? Because he is doing that thing where he's like chasing whatever. And maybe so maybe like that person exists in a yeah. way such that, you know, there is a different relationship between gambling addicts and card games versus gambling addicts and machine gambling. But yeah, the way that the guy because the the thing that really spooks me about this is you expect to read that the people who are at gambling anonymous meetings talking about their addiction to machine gambling, right, would say the reason I keep playing the slots is because I want the payout, right? Like I want the win. And they don't say that. They say, I don't want to do that, right? I want to escape my shitty job and my shitty life. And everywhere around me are these machine gambling things. And every time I see them, I think, well, why don't I just spend, you know, half an hour here, right? You know, like putting putting quarters in the video poker and while I'm at the grocery store, because it's in the fucking grocery store or whatever, um, and I just achieve 30 minutes of the of the machine zone, right? I don't need to worry about anything else. All I need to worry about is is the machine zone, um, and the th- and it just rings so true to how I play. You know, something like WoW or even like Anno 1800 has been like this for me, where it's just like 
Anno 1800 is just a th like this incredibly complex machine that wants you to optimize it over and over, and it keeps presenting you problems to optimize it. And I do legitimately achieve that one more turn sort of machine zone of I just want to you know I just want to keep going. I just want to keep I want to keep going. I want to keep progressing. And anyway, the reason I bring this up. 15 minutes after is I just think that there is something incredibly interesting about how the people who are addicted to machine gambling are very similar to people who are playing video games in that one more turn sort of, sort of sense. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. I, so um, to, to segue to my week, I spent a bunch of time with uh, CK three, very similar thing, right? It's like, you know, you know, I gotta like, you know, I'll, I'll keep playing. I got, I got to form the kingdom, right? Like I, so I, I, um, just, you know, the, the new Royal court DLC came out. Um, it's pretty good. Um, I don't know if I'm, uh, super sold on like the, you know, price per value thing. I think they put a, like, I think a lot of that money is paying for like the new courtroom. Um, and that's like graphics rather than gameplay, but that's, that's fine. I, I, I'm still happy with it. Um, I started on the Island of Man, uh, which is for, for non-geographers out there, it's the island between uh, the the island of Great Britain and the island of Ireland. Um, and uh, uh, I used create a ruler because the ruler that starts out with is old and will usually, I think, quickly dies out and like it reverts back to somebody else in Scotland. So I, I made a new ruler and I played from there. Um, I, uh, I diverged the Manx culture from the Gale Scots, which is what it was, which is like the first big, one of the first big things part of the culture overhaul. Um, culture is very customizable now. If you diverge your own culture, it's much more easier to become the head of it because like, you know, if you diverge the culture, you're probably the only person with that culture at that time, right? Um, and then you can make decisions about how you're teching up. Yeah, uh, exactly. Okay. But like, you know, you have this advantage that if you're not very smart, then you can't like, you know, if you're... If you're uh, if you're in a larger culture, right, like that, the the person who's the head of the culture might be better at it than you, right? Um, uh, you can also like diverging the culture lets you like switch from like, like switch the type of culture, right? Like, um, Gale Scott start, starts as um, like a belligerent culture, I think is what it's called, and like gets you like leave you bonuses and whatever. Um, I change into a bureaucratic culture, which gives you like income and like stewardship bonuses. Um, then you can change like the individual things is the things that's like you know um, concubines and whatnot. Uh, that costs like like so like diverging culture costs five hundred prestige, which is like not that much all things considered. It's it's hefty, but it's definitely achievable. Um, and uh, and like you have it can only be done uh, like in order to diverge a culture, you have to be diverging off a culture that's at least a hundred years old. Um, okay. But you can reform the culture. And that costs like like the cheap like the average cost looks like it's like five thousand prestige, which is a lot harder to get to. Um, uh, but you know it's uh, it's been, so I I uh, I didn't reform the culture, but I did diverge it, and I you know started conquering outwards. I managed to form the kingdom of man, uh, kingdom of uh, kingdom of man, um, which is super fun. Um, you know. Wait, so so what have you been like conquering? I conquered one count or one duchy in South uh, West Scotland, Galloway, and I count conquered the Duchy of Ulster in Ireland. Um, and, Interesting. And then Man is one county, but it's also like it is a duchy that is just the county that is the island of Man. So those are my uh -huh. three. Those are my three duchies, and that forms the Kingdom of Man um, for the moment. Um, it is. How, how what, what is it, what is like your your roadmap to expansion? Where are you going next? Um, like. 
historically it'd be Scotland. Like it is part of is like de jure part of Scotland. Um, okay. But like practically, it's probably going to be Ireland, except that Iceland has taken over like a sliver of Ireland, and Iceland is fairly powerful. So uh, we might be uh, we might be screwed. Um, but we'll we'll see how uh, how things go. Um, uh, but I think I, I, I think uh, ideally, eventually, I will uh, form Britain. Like I will I will I will I will uh, uh, reclaim the uh, Britannia. Um, cause that's like, that's like one of my major decisions. Like that seems like a nice goal to go for. So, you know, yeah. um, but once I formed the kingdom of man, I got to experience new, like, uh, you know, royal court stuff, like the actual meat of it. Um, you get like, you get like a throne room and you can hang up, uh, artifacts on, uh, on the, like you can, there are like artifacts that you hold individually, right? Like I have a hammer and a crown and a suit of armor and some trinkets. Um, but you can transform those into, uh, uh, into into pedestal stuff, and you also get like ban- like when I formed it, I got two banners. Uh, Lou asks, "How's your lesbian wife doing?" Um, it is, which is this is this is this is a very um, a very Crusader Kings thing, right? Like um, the woman I my is my current ruler married is my current ruler was the yeah it's the current one um, married like the woman happened to be a lesbian, uh, but she provided me with like three or four sons, so you know it doesn't matter to me, right? Like I I can't make her my soulmate. Which is whatever. My my the first ruler, I made the woman my soulmate, and then she got murdered by someone, which made me very sad. Um, but uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, uh, but the uh, the the uh, what's it called the the courtroom or not the courtroom the, the throne room stuff is is neat. Um, there, I think it's called splendor. You get like essentially a level of like, you know, how nice your courtroom is, um, and I'm. My current character's a high stewardship, so he's got a lot of income, and you basically pay income, and that turns into other bonuses. Um, and then if you've got enough splendor, you get, like, different set of bonuses. Um, and then on top of that, like, you can, like, do decisions. Like, you can, like, you know, uh, somebody will come and be like, ah, the mayor's not taxing us well, and you can make a decision based on that. Um, I have encountered a couple of bugs, like, uh, like a couple, like, one of, a petitioner showed up to ask me a thing, and it was like, blank like challenges your marshal on how to do things and everything's like <coughs> like there's obviously not a character there and one of the resolution options is like you know let them duke it out like let them like duel for it but that person doesn't exist so like the marshal automatically won um <laughs> but you know it's uh it's you know it's fine like you know it, it is it is a fun expansion um i'm enjoying it a lot and uh, I'm probably gonna keep playing it for a while, um, at least until you know either Witch Queen or Elden Ring takes uh, takes my time away, or I decide to break off into something else. But it's been it's been uh, it's been good. Um, what 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 about otherwise? I uh, I oh I saw I saw uh, Death on the Nile this week as well. Um, the new uh, Kenneth Branagh, uh, Inspector Poirot, Star. Well, oh, really? It, that's interesting. So for uh. The, the sequel to the other one that he did. Oh, God. Murder on the Orient, Murder on the Orient Express. Express. Yes, I watched that one as well. Um, uh, I think b- both movies are, like, neat, but ultimately, like, ultimately fine. They're star-studded casts, right? Um, I thought the second one, like, focused a little bit m- more, like, in a weird way on, like, you know, the character relationships rather than on the mystery, which is fine. It is what it is. Um uh, this movie was like had was plagued with like 
it was delayed a bunch because the the pandemic and also like one of the main characters is army hammer which is you know had some controversy around him um but you know all that like all that said it was a perfectly serviceable movie i don't know if i'd like go out of my way to see it again uh but like you know it's it was uh it was enjoyable uh, it was pretty um uh, and I like Inspector Poirot just because he has a very thick Belgian accent. Um, like, like the, the whole is him being like, "Hello, I am Inspector Poirot. I am a <laughs> It's like so hammed up, um, but it's it's oh. it's fun. Um, yeah, um, I have also I've been reading in, on tape um, uh, Fall of Hyperion, which is the sequel to uh, Hyperion, um, and it's pretty good. Um, and it's fiction, and so you don't have to worry about uh, you know feeling depressed because you achieve the same zone that a machine gambler yeah. achieves by playing world of warcraft or diablo or Although civilization I, or total war Warhammer three i will say this is like late 80s like this is like late 80s early 90s when it's being written and there's a line in the book it's like the ii had like built us like security monitors right and at some point i'm gonna screw up the phrasing but it's like at some point we like started like you know, doing our private lives in front of security monitors and we stopped caring. It's, you know, it's just like, that's like, you know, like that's like a kind of like very prophetic kind of like, you know, oh, we sold ourselves, we, we sold like, the, basically the thesis of the book is like, we sold our souls to the machines and it's destroying us. Um, uh, or like that, um, and you know, it's not quite as one-to-one as, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, it's not like you know, social media or whatever, but it is kind of like, you know, uh, our dependence on machines uh, has ruined us to some extent. Um, uh, uh, but it's very fantastical. I recommend you, you, you should not read Fall of Hyperion without reading Hyperion first, but uh, uh, it's good. Also, Dan Simmons um, really likes John Keats, like, a lot. Um, like, one of the characters is the <laughs> reincarnated version of John Keats, essentially, right? Like, essentially, the, the AIs build a human-AI hybrid who is, like, the resurrected personality of John Keats. And so there's, like... Especially this, like, I'm in, like, the, the back part of the book, and there's, like, a lot of, like, uh-huh. him being Keats as the poet. It's just kind of like, a, Jesus, we get it. You, you like John Keats a lot. You know, <laughs> calm down. But, uh, no. No, it's, it's, it's good. Okay. I have been watching Sons of Anarchy. But I, I'll talk about this more ne- next week. I've just kind of gotten back into it. But Sons of Anarchy is kind of a shitty show, but I really like Charlie Hunnam and, like, Ron Perlman. They just... It's 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 sort of comfort food. I I, I was try, I was trying to think of something. I was like, what can I watch that is like Better Call Saul, which I want to be watching, but I have also watched it a million fucking times. And uh, and the answer became I just I was like, oh fuck, Sons of Anarchy, which I have watched a little of. I watched like the first two or three seasons a while ago, and I think I think I fell off because that's all that had been released at the time. But now the series is finished, so yeah. I have not I, I, I have not watched any Sons of Anarchy, so I can't comment on that at all. Um, yeah. Honestly, you might like it. It is very it is very like, you know, the 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 show wants you to sort of see the motorcycle you know, it's about a motorcycle club, right, right. in California. And it wants you to see the motorcycle club as sort of like modern kind of outlaw cowboys, right? Um, is is like the idea. Uh, but yeah, I gotta watch The Sopranos before I do any of that. That's true. Actually, in a weird way, I actually like it better than like The Sopranos or Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul, just because it focuses more on the actual function of the business of being this outlaw gang, right? Like, you know, the this first season is 
doing a much better job of explaining their criminal enterprise to me than The Sopranos, for instance, does in explaining the what Tony Soprano's criminal enterprise is. Right? I, I have heard that, um, that Ozark is very good at explaining what the criminal enterprise of money laundering is. Oof. Yeah, I actually, I have also watched a lot of Ozark, uh, but I never went back to it. Ozark is a very stressful show um, in a way that I just, like, they are just always on the verge of, like, fucking getting murdered by, like, you know, whatever, insane cartel members. And there's just something about that that, like, I have to be in a very specific mindset to opt into that experience. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, anything else you want to talk about? No, no, no. That's it. All right. Well, if you'd like to email us and tell us what you think about any of the things we talked about on this podcast, you can email us at podcast.submersplaygames.com or submersplaygames at gmail.com. You'll follow us at twitch.tv slash submersplaygames where these go out live. And you can chat us like your good friends, Lou and Fail. Um, uh, you can do all the things, rate review us on iTunes uh, or anywhere you find podcasts, all that good stuff. Uh, we've got a YouTube channel where you can watch the recordings of these. Um, so something we were not going to put out on YouTube because I screwed at the beginning of it, but we, on a whim, uh, Zhao and I did a live react to the Nintendo Direct. Um, we're maybe going to try and do some more of that in the future, um, you know, when events happen, just because... Um, Turns out doing a podcast once a week doesn't get you enough appearances to even maybe ever make partner with Twitch, which is not a thing I'm too concerned about, but, like, would be nice maybe, I guess. Yeah. Um, so we might be putting some more work into that six years into this podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> um, So keep your eyes tuned for that stuff. Buddy, do you have anything you want to promote? Cardboard Kings just came out, right? Yeah, Cardboard Kings came out. It's on Steam, GOG, and the Epic Games Store. Um, you know, I've been dealing with I've been dealing with this all Friday and today. You know, uh, doing bug fixes. There was a there was a critical issue in the game that was hitting a certain percentage of our players or whatever, and we patched it within twelve hours of the um, of the bug hitting hitting live. But there are some people who are like, Cardboard Kings is fucking awful. But mostly, actually, the game has been a fantastic success. We've, like, destroyed the the sales goals that we had for the game. Almost our year-over-year -year sales goal, actually. Congrats! Um, which, which, is, which is very good and makes me feel good because I fucking love this game and I put a lot of work into it. So, yeah. Go play Cardboard Kings out now on Steam. Cog in the Epic Game Store. Yeah, do it. Um, but uh, other than that... Don't, don't, don't do it on the Epic Game Store. Get it on, get it on Steam or Cub. It takes longer to put updates on the Epic Game Store, so the, don't, the, don't the bugged version is still on the Epic Game Store. I was say, don't you guys get a better cut out of the Epic Game Store, though? Like, oh, you know what? Actually, I do think thing. we get a better cut out of the Epic. I think the best one is GOG to get a cut. GOG is also nice because there's no DRM, right? Yeah. Uh, that's the reason that people like so, buying, buying shit on GOG, so... What you should do uh, is go buy three copies, one on each store. <laughs> make buddy very happy uh, <laughs> yeah for real um is this coming to any any consoles or anything or is it not the game that would work for that no, nothing new now you know we we always like to bring games to consoles when when we can uh but that's very rarely most okay to to pull back the current on indie game development most of the time it takes all of our time and effort just to get it onto pc and then it is a thing that after you know you do you, you put it out on pc People find a ton of bugs and shit. You you spend all that time patching out all these bugs, right? Then you take a look at that build, which you know I feel like I'm describing a beta. You sort of take a look at that build and you go, all right, 
is this game successful enough? Do we think it'll do well on PlayStation, Xbox, and Switch? And we go, sure. Or we go, no. And if the answer is sure, then, you know, we start working on a, a Switch port or a, a PlayStation port. We, this happens for every single one of our games. Some of our games, the answer is yes. Some of our games, the answer is no. Uh, you know, Cardboard. So, yeah, Cardboard Kings might come to Switch and PlayStation later down the line. Uh, nothing yeah. new announced. Compl- but, I mean, yeah. I wouldn't expect you to give the scoop to our stupid podcast anyway um I, you'd be surprised I, well we, okay last week so i did the the cardboard king's launch party right i was streaming all day and um i was streaming all day and uh, i i just said that in a very accented way i'm sorry i said all day you know what i mean it's just like i heard it and i just hated myself for a second and uh, anyway at the end of the stream we did the launch party right with uh, with the devs of the game we brought them on we're answering questions in the chat and one of the questions was are you guys ever planning on doing merch for the game and then rob goes oh wait did the merch news not go out and we were just like fucking rob no it didn't go out it, oh god rob why are you and everybody was laughing it was really funny because it's just like uh, uh, the merch news went out the next morning, right? Because the idea was that it was uh, it's like a weekend sale with the shop over um, at theyeti.com. You know, it was it was starting on Friday, but it was just pretty funny that the the big leaks went out on stream. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I expect you to be a communications professional, so you know, I, I wouldn't That's expect true. any uh, any untoward leaks here. Um, but besides cardboard kings, do you have anything else you want to promote? No. I have nothing to promote. All right. Well, in that case, I'm going to say until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.